0: I'm Landon Kamen from Air Vantage Heating and Cooling, and we clean up after our work. Hold up, Landon! I'm Simon Slate from Always Slate Heating and Air. Hello, Mr. Slate. You have an opinion on this? Sure do. Big jobs make a big mess. Of course, but we always leave it clean. Wrong again. They need to know you were there. Give them something to remember you by. My dad, JP, taught me that the best service technician leaves no trace that they were even there. Baloney. A working man's gotta leave evidence of his work. Little evidence here, little evidence there. So I created the Air Vantage Property Protection Guarantee. Guarantee? We guarantee to leave your home cleaner than we found it. Whereas I guarantee you'll know every room I worked in, even if it's just by how it smells. Gross. Anyway, if we fail, we'll give you a full year of Air Vantage Service Club for free. Air
1: Vantage Service,
0: For guaranteed service, visit callairvantage.ca. Ah, shit. sorry Landon, got a little evidence on your shirt there. I was gonna change this shirt anyway. Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast. I'm Dave Young and Stephen Semple is alongside and we're talking about empires, empires that got built up by people that started businesses with with an idea and a dream. And Stephen just whispered today's topic into my head and uh, through these headphones. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm blown away because the topic is trivial pursuit. And he told me that it was a Canadian company. That uh, started Trivial Pursuit, and I'm instantly—I have a million questions. Like, did they just steal U.S. state secrets to make all these questions?
1: <laughs> I, I, I wish I wish I had the recording on earlier when you were like, "They're a Canadian company." <laughs> uh,
0: you Canadians are smarty.
1: Eh?
0: <laughs> Nothing gets past you.
1: We have done like what number are we at? We're like a hundred and. 30 or 140, and you've never you've never reacted with that level of surprise. I was like, damn, I wish I had that recorded.
0: Uh-huh. I mean, it, you stop and think about it, it kind of makes sense. Up in the frozen north, you've got to spend a lot of time on board games.
1: <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> when it's too cold to snowboard.
1: That's it. That's it. It's never too cold to snowboard. That's the only problem. <laughs> so it was created by... Fellow Canadians, oh, yes. Chris Hanley and Scott dun, Abbott dun. in 1981. And in 2008, uh-huh. Hasbro bought the full rights for $80 million. As of the most recent data I could get was 2014. They had broke through 100 million games sold in uh, 17 languages. 1993, it was named the Games Hall of Fame. And basically, it sold over Two billion copies worldwide. Amazing. I haven't played it in years. It's still around, though, right? I mean, you still. Oh yeah, and there and there's lots of different versions now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I remember. I I can I like I remember clearly the original version. Whatever whatever that was called it wasn't called a it was just called Trivial Pursuit. That's right. That's yes. what it was. Yeah. And um, it had enough questions that like you could play it a bunch of times before you really uh, needed to buy an expansion pack. Kind of thing, yes, right. That we, that was what was fun. But i I think I played it so much with with friends and um, classmates, uh, workmates. Eventually, that nobody would play against me on that original version. Right,
1: because you know, <laughs> <laughs> and
0: th- then you get in like, oh, the sports version. No, nah, I'm no good at that. I, you know, I might remember the name Gordy Howe. Right? That, so that
1: th- actually that
0: explains that it was a Canadian company. Because there were a lot of like uh, hockey stars in, in a lot of the question answers.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so the origin goes back to nineteen seventy. It took them a while to get it going. So it's the seventies and the market's dominated by games for kids. There's no adult games out there. And Chris Hanley's a photojournalist, super creative guy. Scott Abbott's a sports writer. That might yeah. be part of the sports part to it.
0: Probably Gordy Howe's cousin.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. And so one night, they're going to play Scrabble, and it's missing some tiles. And they decide instead to do trivia. But to make it competitive, they decide to keep score. And okay. trivia, so here's the interesting thing is, trivia is a popular game as a game show format, because Jeopardy was big. But try to figure out how to make a board game out of it. Yeah. Right. So the idea was popular, but there was no board game around. So they decided Mm -hmm. to make a game, and they created it that night. They'd started with a circle, had not been done before, they'd spokes for each category, but the one thing that they realized is to increase the competitive part of the game, the score needs to be seen. That's what creates the tension.
0: So you have the little player piece that the little wedges of pie go into you can see who's getting close right and you can start to gang up on them
1: <laughs> Yes, that's, that's right. <laughs> but they also realized that what they needed was a catch-up feature because if somebody gets too far ahead how do you keep the game still exciting yeah. like it's like it's like when you play chess there's a certain point where you lose interest because it's like yeah i know i'm gonna get slaughtered here mm-hmm So there's that exact role to get to the center because sometimes, man, it can take a long time for that to happen. Oh yeah, And that gives the opportunity for others to catch up Mm -hmm. when they were deciding the name, they said, okay, it should be trivia plus something else. Yeah. Trivia plus pursuit. And it was one of their wives that said, no, no, it should be trivial.
0: Mm -hmm. Right. Man, it's the same, but it's so different. Yes. Right. Trivia versus trivial. Yeah. And, uh, that's such a, that's such a, bold move that they even accepted
1: that and and they did and so the game was designed like the idea behind the game was designed in a night but here's now where the fun really begins they have no idea how to produce or make a game yeah but there's a toy fair going on in montreal in 1980 and it's hard to get into these toy fairs and it's also to get new games going look every year there's about 500 new games at these shows About 50 get into stores and about five are profitable. Yeah. But they decide to go to the fair and they're resourceful journalists. They're both journalists. So they use their journalistic pass to get into the toy fair saying, Hey, we want to interview these people. And yeah, they do want to interview them because they want to figure out how to get a game going. (laughs) They go around interviewing all the toy executives on how to get a game made into market.
0: <laughs> so my my absolute favorite times of playing Trivial Pursuit was I, I worked in the news department of a little radio station in Fort Collins, Colorado, where I went to school. And the news and sports department, we would get together and play Trivial Pursuit, all the journalists.
1: Okay, the, there you the go. Building, yeah. There you go. (laughs) So after doing all these interviews, they realized that they wanted to be a high quality board game. They figured out how to get it made. And they realized it was going to be 40 K to kind of get samples of the game made. So how do you raise money? Well, they offered shares in the company that didn't work new approach. Now crowdfunding didn't exist really at that time.
0: The internet wasn't around.
1: Right. Nothing. So, but they basically did a version of crowdfunding. They found 34 people who would kick in a few bucks. So now they've got the money to make the game, but what they figured was to make it so that you could play the game on an ongoing basis, that they would need a thousand questions for each one of the categories. Yeah. So there's a sweet spot for the questions, not too hard, not too easy. So it took mm-hmm. months of work to build those questions and they quit their job to do the research. They go on the massive debt Cause remember this is before computers. This is almanacs, newspapers, Oh, Ketchup gosh, yeah. bottles is where they got some of their questions. Journalists are perfect
0: for coming up with all of those, right? They have this inquisitive mind, and they know where to find weird facts.
1: Yeah, and they came across this reference book called Super Trivia. This is going to have an impact later.
0: This was the days of, of, like, there were some really pop culture classics out, like trivial books. Yes. Uh, book of Lists. Remember yes. that?
1: Oh, I forgot about that one. Yes. Yes. Right,
0: where they had lists of all kinds of things. Yeah. It was so so yeah. This that made it easier, probably things like that. Yeah. Right. There were there were people out there doing your work for you.
1: Yeah. Yes. So it's November 1981. It hits the shelves. They make 1,100 copies, and the recession hits. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this game is more expensive. It's thirty bucks, and at the time, Monopoly's ten. So they sold some in local stores around Canada and they did sell out and they did a second print run of 20,000 units. But what they realized is that even if it sold out, they would still be in the red. And the problem Mm. was the tool and die costs. And this was an expensive game to do. And in 1982, they borrowed 70K to restock. They go to the New York Toy Fair, the largest in the world, and they try to sell direct to retailers. Mm -hmm. But... This is the height of the video game trade and everyone thought board games were done. So they come Mm. back from this show with a few hundred orders. The financial stress is rising. Hanley's out one night and collapses. He thought he had a heart attack, but it was due due to stress. And they're still able to sell some games in Canada, but they need to do something differently. So what they decided is what they wanted to do was license the game. And they wanted a 15% license fee, which is three times what others get. So they go to the two biggest companies, Parker Brothers, Milton Bradley, and they pass. But they meet with this smaller player, Shell Chow and Ryder, and they do a deal. And what they do is they give them $75,000 plus 15% royalty for the game. Okay. All right. So now they're out of debt. They got this. 1983, they hire a PR company, Linda Brazado, who is great. So she has this idea, and this is brilliant. And lots of people have this idea. Send out games to celebrities, but celebrities are bombarded. Mm -hmm. Here's what she does she sends out copies to celebrities who are in the game and say to them, You're in this game. We have a question about you. We have a question about you in this game. Here, Johnny Carson, here's a copy of the game, and there's a question about you in the game. Now, what's going to happen? Was Gordy House still alive then? Did they send him? (laughs) (laughs) They sent one to every person. Who's named in the game?
0: Perfect. Johnny Carson
1: mentions it on The Tonight Show. Boom. 1984, they shipped 20 million units that year. That year, they beat Monopoly. Monopoly sold 4 million units. They sold 20 million.
0: Hey, Steve, I want to interrupt us. Can I interrupt ourselves?
1: Well, look, it's your podcast too. You can do what you want to do.
0: Here's the thing. This is where we would normally... Play that really cool, highly produced ad that our, our buddy Mick's voice is in, and Gary has done some of them.
1: Don't forget Matthew Barron's
0: Matthew, yeah,
1: he'll be hurt. He'd be hurt if we
0: forgot his name. No, they're they're fabulous. <laughs> but I thought, well, part of doing a campaign is you change it up every now and then, and, and and do it a little bit different. And I thought maybe you and I could do the ad. Okay, well, let's do it. Basically, this is the reason we're doing the Empire Builders podcast is so that we can share stories of business owners, and hopefully, the audience that likes. The Empire Builders podcast is a bunch of business owners, right? That's, that's sort of the plan. That's the hope. We have a special offer for business owners. Yeah. Right. It doesn't cost anything and it's fun for us and it's fun for you. We promise it'll be fun. And it's just basically contact
1: us and spend 90 minutes with us. Here's how it works. Just give a little bit of background, reach out. You can book the session online, go to the, the Empire Builders podcast and go to get started and right online, you can book it. So nice and easy that way. You'll receive an email with a scorecard and a questionnaire. So you just got to take a little bit of time to fill that out and get it to us. And what that allows us to do is instead of it being this typical, hey, we're great. Hey, we're wonderful. Here's our ads. You should hire us. It actually allows us to do some research so we can show up prepared and give you the business owner who contacts us some solid advice for free. I don't like sales. I'd much rather do that than be the sales guy. And here's my attitude. If we give you great advice and it's something you think you can apply and helps your business, maybe then you'll want to go to the next step and hire us. And even if not, Go and apply those things and grow your business. You know, the more people do that, just better off we all are.
0: This questionnaire that, that you're going to give them, again, remember, this 90-minute session is not about us. It's about you and your business. Correct. So that's why we need to know a little bit about you and your business so that we don't make it about us. Right. We want to make it about you.
1: Yeah. And it means the first 30 minutes we're not asking the you know the basic lowball questions you've already yeah. You've already given us the answers to those things. We can just get right at it. So take us up on it, man.
0: Contact information is, is is our website. You'll find us. You'll find us. Let's get back to the story.
1: All right, back to the story. The success did lead to an interesting lawsuit. Fred Wirth, his book, Super Trivia, he had planted mm. a trick question in the book. And the question was, the name of the famous detective Columbo in the book was Philo, and that was incorrect. And they used that name in trivia. Oh, no. Trivial Pursuit. So there was a lawsuit around it, but here's the interesting thing. The judge ruled you cannot copyright facts.
0: <laughs> That's got to be like a, uh, been used in, in lots of other law ca- uh, court cases.
1: Yes. It's one that has been referred to many, many times. You yeah. cannot copyright facts in 1984 sales hit 20 million sets. Then there's spinoffs. There's been, you know, 50 editions, over $2 billion in sales. But, you know, the interesting thing again, another one of these how many times we've we seen it like over and over again. Another yeah. one of these empires where the idea did not come from somebody in the toy business, the idea came from somebody who was looking for a game. But what they also recognized when they built this game it's about making it competitive. Yeah, the competition is the part that makes it a game and makes it fun, and they recognize that and bake that right in. This has to be competitive and the PR strategy was brilliant so many people go oh yeah, all you have to do is send stuff out to celebrities no what this PR person recognized what Linda recognized was that to break through that clutter you need to make it interesting to them so Dave you would get a game your name is in this game exactly
0: it's not it's not that it's interesting to them it's it's that man you made it about them Mm mm-hmm Right. That's yes. There's nothing we like better than hearing other people talk uh, favorably about us. Yeah. That's a focus for any business, man. Talk about the customer in language the customer loves in terms that are about the customer. You can't go wrong with that. Right. You really right. can't.
1: And look, and that's what caught Johnny Carson's eye. And Johnny mm-hmm. Carson mentions it on The Tonight Show. And, you know, boom. Right? You're off to the races, especially at that time with how big that show was. And look, it was going to be him or somebody else. Because we often talk about strategy versus tactics. Mm -hmm. And people get caught on that because it would be easy to read this and go, oh, well, how they became successful, they sent out celebrities. So I'm going to send my stuff out to celebrities. Tactic. The strategy was how do we get attention? Oh, celebrities are named in this game. Well, let's send it to the people who are named. It was a strategy. That involved the tactic of sending it out. And that's the difference.
0: If you send it to a celebrity that doesn't have a question, right, their name's not even in it, they're not interested in talking about it to anybody. Or even if you
1: sent it and didn't tell them that they're in it, they're not going to be interested in looking at it.
0: They probably aren't going to dig through it. But but yeah, like if you tell them, hey, question on this card, it's going to work well with the people that are in it. It's not going to work at all for the people that aren't. Correct. Right, because they're going to feel they're going to feel a little hurt. It's a it's a great story. Yeah, I like it, and, and I'm I'm really pleased that they were Canadians because you're a Canadian.
1: Because <laughs> I'm a Canadian. Well, we gotta every once in a while slide these Canadian stories in. <laughs> so, and it's still it's still around. It's still around. Yeah, they don't own it any longer. Hasbro has okay. bought the full rights for it in 2008. But yeah, the game's still around. Can I pivot on us? Are we are we sure, done talking absolutely. about Trivial Pursuit? Yeah.
0: Wizard Academy in Austin, Texas. Just in all transparency, I wear two hats. Right. Uh, so I'm I'm a marketing consultant like Steven, but I'm also the vice chancellor of Wizard Academy, and you're a, one of our students and one of our instructors. Yes. And um, you understand the fun of being on campus for a class we have two and three day classes and we have 19 student housing rooms on campus and a big communal kitchen where 14 or 15 people will gather and sit around like the night before class or the night after you've done with a, a big long day of learning and you're sitting around in that kitchen and we've got a whole bunch of board games Yahtzee and all kinds of things in the kitchen I was wondering Stephen, if I could convince you to pick us up a new version of uh, Trivial Pursuit and bring it down the next
1: time you come. Done. In terms of next time, because I'm there next week. That I means know. I gotta, that means I got to go buy it this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Here's one of the things I want to say to everyone, is the classes at Wizard Academy are amazing. I try to do a class every year. I'm doing two this year, and the getting together with people is awesome because I even say to folks, when when you do a class, do not plan on doing anything that evening because the people you will meet, the conversations you will have will be some of the best that you've ever experienced. Please, please, please go to wizardacademy.org, take a look at a class, pick a class, do magical worlds if you can't think of anything else to do. That's
0: sort of our starting it's starting
1: point. point. And you will walk out of that class not looking at advertising the same way ever again. Because when I did my first class there, I had been working in this industry for over two decades, and I was blown away. It put me down a path that is remarkable. And you know what? It's a fun class. It's a fun environment. And the food is great. The drink is great. The company is great. Please, please, please take advantage of a class at the Wizard Academy. You will thank us.
0: I always tell people too. Like you said, the meeting people, like our classroom only holds 32 people. Yeah. That's it. That's the the biggest class we'll have. And we have 19 student rooms on campus. And if you sign up before the student rooms are gone, your room is free you pay for the class, yeah. but the room is free. 19 people get a really well-appointed, nice room on campus. The 20th person gets to pay for their own room at Holiday Inn Express somewhere and, yeah. and drive back and forth. But I tell people, man, don't arrive on a late night flight the night before. No, don't. Make sure you arrive in the afternoon so that you can hang out in that kitchen with people that are arriving. And then don't plan on taking a red-eye early morning flight, the morning after. Don't don't plan on leaving like, oh, well, it's a Tuesday, Wednesday class. I'll just book my flight at five o'clock Wednesday and, and get back home. I'm like, no, 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 no. You want to wait till the following morning so that you have a chance to, you, you're going to miss out on things. If you don't arrive early and stay a little bit later than you think maybe you ought to. That's an insider tip and that, that never fails.
1: It never fails. You're no. absolutely correct. So yeah, guys, Go wizardacademy.org, check out the classes, take them in, and you'll meet Dave. And uh, you might even bump into me if you're unfortunate.
0: <laughs> I'm looking forward to the, to the one next week because I'm teaching it, and uh, you're going to be one of the students in it. Absolutely. So that's, a little, that's a little scary. <laughs> Hopefully you won't throw things at me by the, by the end of the second day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my plan. That's how I'll be measuring success All right. is uh, that I won't be bruised and battered by the students. <laughs> Thank you, Steven. That was, a, that was a fun story. And we'll see you next week. All right. I'm trying to think of what piece I always wanted when I played Trivial Pursuit. Usually like the green slice.
1: We'll make sure we pull all, all right. the green ones out ahead of time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Thanks, David. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at
1: theempirebuilderspodcast.com.